0: That was a heck of a game.
1: Clark Gillies on the video board, drinking a beverage and smashing the can against his head.
0: Nassau Coliseum is guaranteed one more playoff game.
1: We're in a pandemic, man,
0: and we can't have two hands in the popcorn. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, episode ninety-five. As we keep on rolling in the playoffs, and the Islanders have evened up the second-round series with a four-one win over the Bruins in Game Four at Nassau Coliseum on Saturday night. Hi, I'm your host Andrew Gross of Newsday. I'm on Twitter at agrossnewsday, and I've got to say, if you are listening to this on a beautiful Sunday in between games, between uh, Game 4 and Game 5 in Boston at TD Garden on Monday night. If you were spending your Sunday listening to this, I cannot tell you how much we appreciate that. It means so much. It's it, it's a gorgeous day, and it, it just shows how fanatical you are about the Islanders. And uh, as always, I'm joined during the playoffs by my Newsday teammates, Neil Best, that's at SportsWatch on Twitter, Colin Stevenson at Colin S. Newsday. Gentlemen, that was a heck of a game. 4-1, but really a bloated final score with two empty net goals, uh, an electric coliseum. I, I know I wrote my lead on basically this is Everything playoff hockey should be, and I know, sitting next to you, Neil, that that was kind of the sentiment you had as well. I I, I would think.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been true of this whole series, and certainly these two games at the Coliseum. Yeah, these are great games. Obviously, evenly matched teams, Um and you know, it, it's it's like the big picture is what you just said, but I I I come away with like these little things I'll remember from tonight, like David Posternak missing an empty net. <laughs> that I'm telling I'm telling you. I, there's a hundred percent chance I would have scored on. I had a pretty good <laughs> rich shot back in the '80s and early '90s, but even today at age 60, I would have scored. And then I love, I love Barry Trotz telling you when you mentioned <laughs> the idea that maybe Paul Mary should be on the front first line to stop playing fantasy hockey. But, but I think my number one, my number one favorite thing that happened tonight was Clark Gillies on the video oh, board, picking a beverage and smashing the can against his head. And by the way. As great as the crowd was tonight, I thought early in the third period there was sort of this nervousness. It got kind of quiet. The crowd was was I think was sort of nervous, and that was around the time that Gillies did the thing with the can, and I think that loosened everybody up, and that was a great moment. But uh, but yeah, you're right. It was a great game.
0: <laughs> I yeah no I I agree. I mean they had they showed the Jets Dan Feeney once again doing that. And uh but but Clark Gillies, I mean Mr. Mr. Islander, you know, him, and Bobby Nystrom, the you know, another Mr. Islander is in the building. Clark looked like he was having the best time of his life. And that was a guy who's won four Stanley Cups. And and you know, we we can laugh about it, and and I agree with you, it just I think in my lead, I wrote, you know, a tension-filled Nassau Coliseum. You described it perfectly there, Neil. I I just felt like when he did that, it got everyone sort of laughing. I, I'm sure, you know, some of the players may have seen that on the bench too. And you know what, now I'm kind of regretting that no one asked any of the players are very <laughs> drunk about Clark Gilly smashing a beer I can think that, over. That, I
1: think that's a good off day question
0: maybe <laughs> uh but uh no just you know A through Z that's that's why you play the regular season and you look forward to the playoffs so games like this and, and I know we mentioned it on the last episode but I, I couldn't be more in lockstep with with Barry Trotz this has been you know just from a pure hockey standpoint it really has been one of the most enjoyable hockey series I, I I've watched in a while now you know and and granted we were not in the playoff bubble last season but this I mean these are two excellent hockey teams playing excellent hockey right now and 2-2, I really feel like it's
2: anybody's series, Colin. Yeah, well, i tell you what's not going to happen is we're <laughs> not going to lose this series in five, as I predicted. Um, <laughs> we're going to at least go six. Uh, no, it's it's been fun, and, uh, you know, the, the physical play, I think, is, has really been uh, noticeable. Um, you know, as you know, I wrote about the physical play uh, based on uh, Cal Cl- Clutterbuck's hit on Brandon Carlo in Game Three, but uh, there was much more of that again tonight, um, and including a couple of fights too, which is you know not something you see in every playoff game. That was uh, especially when when one of the combatants is Taylor Hall, who <laughs> you know fought for the first time in the NHL since 2011, which is and if my math is correct, that's 10 years. Um, yeah, yeah, that was uh, you know you've seen. Uh, you know a little bit of everything. Um, it, it's been fun, and it's uh, you know, you know, good for good for the Islanders, good for Islander fans to you know to be there in droves and to be part of this because it's it's uh, it's what
1: you want. I do think that um, you know, as objective observers of this thing, uh, it, it's good that it's two two. I mean, because of how because of how closely contested it's been, how good the games have been. It would have seemed wrong for either team to be up three one. To tell you the truth, I just think it's it's sort of appropriate for this thing to be two two.
2: Funny you mention that, Neil. I remember I remember thinking, you know, back when the Mets and the Yankees played each other in the World Series, I think that was a five game series, but every game was like one run game, and you know? like yeah. you know, it ended up being like a five game series, and then you know, and but every game, like a couple of games went extra eight and it was you know like it was it was like super close but you know when you look at it on paper years later all you see is four to one and then that's that kind of doesn't do that series justice so I think you're right the fact that it's two two and we're gonna go you know it's gonna be a long series gonna go at least six and you know the way it looks like it could it could get to seven um and, and I think that'll be something that we'll remember for a
1: long time but a good a good hockey example of what you're talking about is the 2014 final, where the Rangers King series was much closer than a five game series for the same reason.
0: Yeah, no, and and I covered both that 2014 Stanley Cup final and and the 2000 World Series, and uh, you're both right. Those those series were were as to to quote Barry Trotz razor thin, but you, you look at the ledger, and all you see is you know. Four out of five. So, uh, and and you know what? One thing we do not have to discuss on this podcast is which goalie Barry Trotz is going to start in Boston. On
1: wait, wait, wait a minute. We are going to discuss me gloating about being right, though. I assume, like we have to, like where where did we get to the part where I get to gloat?
0: Well, you know, Neil, I really wish we had time for that tonight, but I'm on a little bit of a tight schedule, so.
1: Uh nobody said
2: he was go- we all knew I think that he was gonna start Varlamov. I think my argument I would have gone with Sorokin. I didn't say that Barry was gonna go with Sorokin. And
0: I, and, and I agreed with you. I, I and yes, Neil, you were the only one who flat out said Semyon Varlamov is gonna start game four. and And Colin and I, I mean, sort of hedged our bets, me more ridiculously by suggesting Sorokin should be the opener.
1: (laughs) And, hey. I love that. I love that suggestion.
0: Varley was really, really good in the first period and, you know, made 11 saves. And, yeah, he was helped out because Pasternak, he will never miss that shot again in his career. (laughs) I would would bet the house on that. It, It was a great pass from Patrice Bergeron, you know, cross ice to the left circle, right in Pasta's wheelhouse. It looked like he pushed the puck a little bit and maybe the puck rolled on him a little bit, but still, it's not hyperbole. He was shooting at an empty net varley was over on the other side he had been playing bergeron and he was along with the islanders he was caught exposed and and pasta hit the far post from the left circle and on they played at zero zero so
2: How, how did he get so wide wide open i mean okay he missed and that's that's very good for the islanders and varley but how was he open? Like why? Why there was literally there was nobody within ten or twelve
0: yeah. feet. Because that line is perfection. What can I tell you?
2: <laughs>
1: they were very imperfect tonight. But you know, th- th- in terms of Varley's performance, I thought one of the most interesting segments of the game was at the beginning of the third period, where you you tweeted it. I think there was a there was a question about it. and I was thinking it at the same time. I completely forgot the Islanders won a power play at yeah. the beginning of the third period because. The Bruins looked like they were on a power play.
0: Four shorthanded shots, chi- and, and actually, it, it, you know, there, there, were, there were a ton of turning points in, in the game. And and Colin, I, I agreed with what you wrote, that the Islanders killing off the, 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 the delay game penalty after Barry Trotz unsuccessfully challenged that Brad Marchand uh, interfered with Varley's goalie pad on on the David Krejci power play goal. And, and the Bruins go right back on the power play there. And if the Islanders don't kill that off, I, I think we're talking about a ton of different stuff right now. However, they do kill it off. And, and, and Varlamov makes those four shorthanded, you know, uh, saves on four shorthanded chances. That was four shots in the first 29 seconds Of the third period, the Bruins got shorthanded. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that.
2: Well, that could have been a turning point, too, now you mention it. Um,
0: But it it turns around. Bruins get those four shots. They only get four more shots the rest of the third period, and they don't get a shot on Varlamov in the final six minutes and 18 seconds of the third period. So, and, and by then, you know, Barzell... Had swatted in that puck, and and the hand-eye coordination there is just so elite for him to do that. But uh, yeah, no, you're right. That 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 started the third period. I mean, there there were a couple of places in this game where you know, starting with Pasternak's miss on the open net to 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 that third period flurry, and I saw this a lot on social media. People just kind of shrugging their shoulders, going, "I guess this really just is the Islanders' night."
2: Yeah, you know what? I thought once once Varlamov got through the first five or so minutes, once he got past that whole, you know, he's given up a goal within the first three shots that he's seen in every one of his starts, once he got past those first three shots and then he started looking at the shot clock going, you know, five and six and seven, then he gets through the first period without giving up a goal. I was, I was feeling pretty much like, you know, it was going to be his night. I, I wonder
0: if Barry Trotz, Ever gets a little bit tired of being right because he he was asked before the game about concern over Varlamov's early goals. And and he gave this answer, which when, when he said it, I was thinking this is a coach just protecting his player because his answer was, you know, over my long tenure in the NHL, what I've found is that what you think is a trend really isn't a trend. It's just something that happens in a short time frame that you think is a trend. And I'm not worried about Varlamov one bit. He's been terrific.
1: He was right. <laughs> that, that goes back. I mean, I mean, he was right and he is right because that goes back to something we talked about in the last pod, which is we as hockey journalists... Trying to come up with these narratives based on a small sample size, and it's his job to ignore that and make a rational decision.
0: But it's a cold hard fact that Varlamov had given up goals in all four starts on one of the first three the shots.
1: Guy, the guy's been in the league for whatever 10 years or something. It's not just some sudden thing that that that's afflicting him. He's still a good goalie, and it turned out to be irrelevant.
0: Well. Wow. Yes, yes, no, absolutely true. And the 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 other thing and and you reference this right at the start, Neil. I asked Barry Trotz. Now, this is this is two games in a row where Kyle Palmieri and Matthew Barzell have wound up on the ice together after a penalty kill and and Barry Trotz asked about it before the game gave this very well thought out explanation that after a penalty kill, and Leo Komarov is one of their key penalty killers, Leo Komarov comes off for rest, and that's how Kyle Palmieri winds up on the ice, since Kyle Palmieri and, and Matthew Barzell are not killing off penalties, or nor is Jordan Everly, So that's why Kyle Palmieri winds up there. And in game three, it leads to a Matthew Barzell goal, right? The first shift, Kyle... To 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 Barzi. it's a goal this time. After the and and it, it was right after that key penalty kill I I had talked about uh, after the the failed goalie challenge. Now you've got Palmieri on the ice again with Barzell, Barzell with with a great play, great strength behind the net, holding off Lazar. He drew a delayed call there, which gets lost because they scored a goal. Um and and, and Barzy feeds it right into the low slot, and, and Palmieri doesn't miss from there. So I, of course, being an intrepid reporter, uh, brought up to Barry Trotz after the game, does this give you some pause and, and and make you wonder, you know, if they can do this in two shifts and two games, what they could do as, as permanent line mates? And you could see the disdain <laughs> in Barry Trotz when he when he essentially said, yeah, maybe, but you know what? You can play fantasy hockey. I know Leo is good on that line, and and he also said Palmieri is good on the Pajot line. So I, I guess I'm a fantasy hockey GM here.
2: You know, and he has he has his reasons for doing things, and and uh, you know, listen, as much as we dog Kamara. You know, he, he plays a he plays a role in that lineup and on that line. I mean, if you if you look, I I, I look today, and you know, for the early story that I wrote about them being physical, I looked today which players and how many hits. And to my surprise, I discovered that uh, going into this game, literally the Islanders, uh, you know, Clauderbuck, Matt Martin, and Leo Komarov were two, three, and four you know, in hits in the playoffs, which, you know, is somewhat surprising. You don't think of Komarov as, I mean, you know, Matt Martin hits a lot of people, you know, Kladderbock hits a lot of people, but you know, Komarov does too. And, and, uh, and, you know, Barry had talked about how playing physically, um, you know, benefits a team. You, you know, at some point, uh, you know, you're going to force a turnover and it's, and it's going to be in the back of the net. You know, some guys tired of getting hit 30 times, going back for the puck. And the one time he just kind of like flinches a little bit and it's a mistake and, and it's in. It. So, you know, Kamarov is doing a job that, you know, that Barry knows he can do and, uh, and it's working and, you know, and admittedly, you know, a couple of these goals happened with, with Kamarov not on the line, but Barzal
1: now has a goal in each of the last two games, which is kind of what we're waiting for. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Barry Trotz and I, as we all know, are soulmates when it comes to the goalies, but I do not agree with them about this first line thing. I want Paul Mary on that line. I'm sorry. Uh, for a team that's not scoring that many goals, I mean they scored one goal in game three, they had two, you know, two non-empty net goals in game four. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Barry and I are going to have to part ways on this thing. I want Paul Mary on that line.
0: Okay, so I wasn't playing fantasy hockey. There is some no, big- I, mean, well,
1: I, I mean, I think it's a very rational position. We know Peugeot can play with anybody. He doesn't care. Um, so it doesn't mean that line's going to suddenly stop being you know, useful. No, I, I I, think those two goals are a sign of a real thing. So.
0: <laughs> I, I don't think it's stubbornness on, on Barry's part. I, 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 you know, I'm sure in his coach's eyes, he is seeing things that that tell him that this team is most effective with Leo Komarov on that line. And maybe we're, we're not hockey coaches, so our eyes are not seeing the same things.
1: I know, but once Barry listens to this Sunday morning, I think he's going to, you know, see the light and we're going to see, you know, he's listened to us in the past about the goalie. Speaking of Peugeot, there's another interesting subtlety to this series that did come up in the questions after the game, which is that, you know, Peugeot is is beating the best face-off guy in the league uh, at faceoffs in this series. And um, it's going to be harder to put Pajot against Bergeron in the, um, you know, on the road than it is at home. And uh, it's, it's you know, it's just an, another thing that Pajot is, is doing that, you know, in, in, his, in his toolkit that he's suddenly beating Bergeron at face-offs, which nobody's supposed to be able to do.
0: Pajot was 11 of 19 in game four, and that's a 58% clip. And Patrice Bergeron, uh, again, surprisingly, won just 10 of 24 face-offs, and that's a, a 42% clip. And uh, I don't have his face-off numbers in front of me, but I, I think he's usually up around 58%, somewhere around like that.
1: You know, again, it's a sort of a subtle thing, that, but it's, it, it, it is a thing, and... Uh, you know, I turned to Andrew during the when they were announcing the starting lineups because I had mentioned in my one of my columns earlier in the series about how I noticed that when they were introducing the starting lineups, Pajot's uh, ovation from the crowd was twice as loud as any other player. You know, this guy who's been here for barely a year, and it happened again tonight. Uh, just, you know, just the fans love this guy as they should. By the way, I'm looking up the stats now Patrice Bergeron in the regular season.
2: 62.2%.
0: That's, I mean, that's outstanding. I, I I, mean, that that's dumb for me to say. That's, I mean, it's obviously outstanding. And it's, what's, do you have the next closest guy in the, the NHL? The
2: guy is Luke Denning from uh, Detroit. He's 60.9. But uh, our man, Jean Gabriel Pajot, is ninth and he's 56.7. So he's not chopped liver there.
0: You know what? Stuff to ask. Barry Trotz going forward, so.
1: Oh, he was asked about it. He was asked about it after the game, game four. And he, you know, you could tell he was slightly uncomfortable with the topic, but he kind of did admit that, yeah, well, on the road, I can't do as much about it as I can at home.
0: So it's 2-2, game five, Monday night in Boston. When I say what are the expectations, you have to expect a game that's probably going to be tied or one goal you know, late in the third period, you're probably going to have to figure both Varlamov and Tukarask again play outstanding games. I, I, I thought the uh, the Islanders did a lo- you know better job on the penalty kill than they did in the last game. the The Bruins were one for three on the power play. Islanders probably again need to ratchet up their power play work a little bit. Uh, they went zero for two with. Uh, they only had 3 shots on those two power plays and again the, the the Bruins outshot them with those four short-handed chances but what am i missing game 5 what what do you need to see out of the islanders in game 5
1: well the best thing about game 5 is that it's at six, it's at 6:30 so <laughs> when, when when the game inevitably is undecided with you know a 50 seconds left in regulation we'll have a chance to actually write something coherent um, but yeah i mean of course i expect another close game if you force me to pick this the winner of this series i'll still go with boston just because they're so dangerous um but the islanders have proven they're not intimidated by that team and um yeah i mean what, what was your question i don't even remember it's going to be another good close game and it's going to you know but it's a six thirty, so so that's better for me which is all that really matters here's the thing
2: that that, that i'm wondering is uh you know, Barzal now is, seems to be, you know, hot. So what is Cassidy going to do with his uh, line matchups and combinations? Because, you know, he hasn't been, uh, you know, in the first couple of games he was throwing, um, you know, his number one line at, at the Nelson line and, and his number one D and stuff. And 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 look, I mean, Barzal's first goal he scored in game three was against their fourth line, you know, and their third D pair. And, and and tonight again, I think he's out there uh, against uh, you know the third or fourth line. like mean,
0: um, he saw he saw a lot of David Krejci. I mean, Krejci tried to emasculate him at one point with a spear to the groin that was downgraded from a spearing to a slashing. Which
2: all right, all right. So now, so but but that's part of that's another thing that Barzal is doing. I think that is good is that he's engaging in this sort of thing. And it, in and, and, you know, Barzell might, uh, you know, might uh, hear a little something from the league about the uh, hitting, uh, what's his name? You know, the, the, bringing a stick up.
0: Yeah. That Lazar, he had a couple of battles with Curtis Lazar and right. and, and that, that also indicates that Bruce Cassidy. Um, well, why, it,
2: not against Lazar and not McAvoy. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm saying. If this is the number one guy, why are you throwing your third pair at it?
0: Well, and, and Barry Trotz seemed to get into that when he was asked a specific question about the third line, and he <laughs> pretended like he didn't know what the questioner was asking. He goes, so which line is that? And the, the questioner said the Pajot line, and, and Barry said, yeah, you got to – you know, I don't see it as one, two, three, and four – you know, that that old song and dance. But, you know.
1: But the, but the Barzell thing is like if, if the Islanders, let's put it this way. If the Islanders could have selected from a list who they wanted to score the winning goal in that game, they should have picked, Barzell would have been the pick because getting him going, which he clearly has been playing better the last three games, is obviously a huge plus for them and something to be like Colin said that the Bruins now have to worry about.
0: Do you, speaking of worry, do you worry at all about Anthony Beauvillier going forward? Because it seemed like he passed up a a couple of shots. There was one where, you know, I I don't know what he saw, but he was on the left. And I I thought he had a clear, uh, you know, clear look at a shot. And instead he sent it back towards the middle and there was no Islander there. So uh, any concerns there?
2: Yeah, I think you know he, he had two breakaways in game three and 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 didn't score on either one of them. And I think the goalie's in his head. I, I do. I think he's you know, even the one, um, yeah, the one shot. I guess it was in the first period. I think uh, where he has the shot open, he doesn't take it, and he instead controls the puck and goes over and tries to tuck it in on the far side, and and. Uh, rask makes the the pad save there when you know if he just like whacks at it the first time maybe he gets it in on the near side post and he and he doesn't but i I think he's just thinking too much i think he's he's uh you know rask is in his head and uh and yeah uh i i do worry about him but you know as with all things in the playoffs if one bounces in off his butt and goes in (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah i mean and, he, and he's still skating wonderfully and, and he's playing a great 200 foot game he it's it, it, it's this sole element of him passing up a couple of shots in, in this game that that, that you know it, 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 i thought that was a little bit noteworthy
1: yeah no that you're you're, you're right but also to the other thing you just said he, he's such a dynamic skater and uh He's, you know he's dangerous because he could just beat the other guy to the puck. So um, yeah, I, I think he's he's playing well. But yeah, the, the, in game three he had that really strange uh, shot he passed up, which I don't. You know it's it's hard for us to ask these guys these questions because we don't we don't see them uh, in any kind of a predictable way like we would in the locker room. But um, yeah, you're right. It's been a couple of strange decisions he's made.
0: Yeah. Well. I think that's – unless either one of you have anything else, I, I think that's going to come I close do. to wrapping it up.
2: I do have one more thing. I, I, I feel like we're not giving enough love to Palmieri.
1: You know, guys got five goals.
0: I I love Kyle Palmieri. I,
1: <laughs> I say he should be on the first line. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I covered Kyle two years with the Devils. I, 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 wonderful man and, and – I advocated for the Islanders trading for him, and, and I think you're seeing in the playoffs exactly you know, why that was needed.
2: And I have a theory as to why that is.
0: Why is that, Colin?
2: Because he's got the beard, man. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: in regular season. Got beard.
2: Comes to the Islanders, and they're like, no, no, the beard's got to go. And he gets what? One goal?
0: Two goals. Two, Two goals.
2: goals. And then guess what? Then the playoffs start, and the beard was back in like a day. <laughs> and like you know, and now he's got five goals. So I'm thinking it's the beard.
0: All right. Well, I don't know if I I buy your logic, but because yes, but, be. well, because by that logic, I should be writing Pulitzer Prize winning stuff every day.
1: Well, <laughs> you you would have scored that Pasternak goal though.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, or, or 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 you know, completely lost my balance and cracked my head against the ice. But <laughs> either one,
2: because <laughs> you see,
1: did you see his reaction to it. <laughs> <laughs> <His reaction? laughs> he just <laughs> <laughs> <He's laughs> pounded his head into the ice. That was so. Funny. <laughs> that was a great. That was a great reaction.
2: Great personality. I love those Dunkin' Donuts commercials. Hello.
0: This is a bigger picture thing, but the NHL needs more of that. I mean. They, they really need to sell their personalities a little bit. And, and Pasta has a great personality. You, you know, some of these guys, are like Pajot, they're like a great personality, right? You know, I mean, the, the NHL really needs to sell this a little bit more.
2: The secret for us uh, hockey fans.
0: Yeah. Hey, uh, so I just wanted to wrap this up. Neil started us out by uh, naming some of the things he'll always remember from this game. The thing I might always take, and it it made me feel awful, was uh, our good friend Arthur Staple uh, of The Athletic, formerly of Newsday, was nice enough to buy snacks for the row, uh, for press box roll. He got got a, a pretzel for himself. He got a pretzel for Molly Walker of the New York Post. And I'm sitting there, and he comes down and he slams a box of popcorn in front of my face. And I love me some popcorn while watching hockey. (laughs) So, I mean, I ate the box of popcorn. And towards the end of the game, I hold up the empty box of popcorn. And I say to Arthur, with Neil standing right next to me, Arthur, thanks for the popcorn. And Arthur goes, didn't you share it with Neil? I bought
1: it for both of you. (laughs) Yeah, Andrew used Andrew used COVID as an excuse for why he didn't want to share. So. Yeah, I
2: said we're in a pandemic, man, and we can't have two hands in the popcorn. That's a beautiful story, and you know what that tells me, Andrew? Next time it's your turn to buy it. Right? No. That,
1: uh, yes. Yeah. That, that's why Barzell made sure there'd be a game six so that the, this could all be resolved.
0: You know, and I I don't know whether he mentioned that, but it's a big deal that. Nassau Coliseum is guaranteed one more playoff game. So we're heading back to the barn on Wednesday night. And actually, I am heading up to Boston early on Sunday morning. Uh, a little shout out to my nephew who is graduating high school. I will be up there tomorrow, Sunday, for my nephew AJ's uh, high school graduation. Colin Stevenson is good enough to be uh, to fill in for me while I sit in an open field in 90-degree weather and absolutely melt like the Wicked Witch of the West tomorrow afternoon.
1: And then when those Bruins fans there recognize you, you're going to take a lot of guff.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to need my wife to protect me. So – so I'm getting up early, driving to Boston. We'll have another episode of Island Ice Podcast. That would be episode 96 as I drive home on Monday night from uh, from Boston. So that, that'll be a treat.
1: There's a lot of pressure on the Islanders to get to the next round so that they, we can get to episode 100.
0: Yeah, well, um, episode 100, if it's not during the playoffs, is going to be about a four-hour best-of retrospective of everything that's gone right on Island Ice. So uh, looking forward to that. But uh, until we talk to you again, I want to thank Neil Best, that's at SportsWatch on Twitter, and Colin Stevenson at Colin S. Newsday. I am Andrew Gross at A. Gross Newsday, and you can – Follow everything we do on newsday.com backslash aisles. And until the next episode, happy hockey, everybody.